so in our last session, we talked about um, the koshas. These are the, the, the layers, the coverings, the bodies uh, that we operate through. And there are five, and I'll just quickly go back through those. There's the, the anamaya kosha. This is the, the, the dense material level. Ana means food. So this is the food kosha, the material, meat and bones, and organs and tissues. So this is the, the first level. And we can think about these like a Petrushka doll. This is that Russian doll, nesting doll, where you take the egg, they take the doll apart, and inside there's another one that's a little smaller, and inside is another one that's a little smaller, and they go down, down, down. And, and so the next level, the next covering of, the, of our soul, of our essence of being in expression, is the pranamaya kosha. Prana is life force, energy, and very intimately connected with our breath, with our breathing. And so we can't measure this with instruments, this prana, this life force, this energy, but we can feel it. And we know that when we feel alive, when we feel energy, we can, we can sense this, and we can also work with this energy. This is one of the, the techniques, the methods that we use in our Kriya process is to actually work with the subtle prana, the subtle energy, and help to use it to refine the, the brain, the nervous system, the mind, and our consciousness. So prana is the energy, the pattern around which the material level um, uh, manifests. And, and then on the next level, more subtle than that is monomaya kosha. Mono means mind. And so manas is mind. And so this is the mind level which takes the information from the senses and processes this information turns it into our experience of the world has opinions about the sensory input for example i found that i i i really love chocolate gelato and uh, chocolate and strawberry ice cream and pistachio not so much so, so we are served up with many things in life and some are pleasant and we enjoy and some not so much. We have our own predispositions. So the monomaya kosha, <coughs> monomaya kosha is, is not only processing the sense information, the, the data that comes into us, but having opinions about that, remembering experiences from the past, having emotions. So all this is happening in this this mono field, this, this mental field. And then on a more subtle level inside that, we see the jnanamana, the, the vijnanamaya kosha. Jnana means wisdom. So this is associated with the buddhi, the discerning, discriminating aspect of consciousness. And so here we are able to discern, discriminate the difference between what's true and what's not true, what's real and what's not real, what's permanent and what's uh, uh, impermanent. And this is where we have the ability to make choices. So, uh, so the choices come from wisdom, come from discernment, and they then affect or influence the mind, which is operating and, uh, and keeping the system running and having opinions about what's coming in from the outside and then operating through the energy level to run the body. So we have this more subtle level, the 
this vigyana uh, maya kosha. So this is wisdom, discernment, discrimination, choosing. And then on a more subtle level, but beneath that, we have this ananda maya kosha. And this is the, the bliss body. This is the body of being. This is the experience of being whole, complete, connected. And so this, this is called ananda or bliss. So the bliss body is this one that is very subtle. And then inside of that is awareness, pure awareness, pure conscious beingness. So this pure awareness, this existence being operates through this bliss body, the bliss of being, experience, wisdom, mind, energy, prana, and then the material. So these are the kind of levels. And, and there's sort of a paradox here because, uh, as I said, one way we can think about these coatings, these bodies, these layers, is like the Petrushka doll where the, the, the most dense the material is on the outside and we see more and more subtle levels as we go within. But there's kind of a paradox here because we can also see it exactly the opposite. We can see pure conscious awareness condenses as this experience of bliss being, and within this experience of bliss being emerges wisdom, discernment, buddhi, and within this emerges manas, mind, and within this emerges this energetic prana, and within this emerges this material or emanates this material physical body so so it's actually working in both directions this seems paradoxical but it's worthwhile it's useful to contemplate just as when we when we come into this very very subtle level in meditation where we are resting in pure awareness there is a kind of a paradoxical viewpoint here where at one in one hand we feel that we are um, this essence of being and it's non-local but it feels kind of at the center of everything and at the same time we are non-local and and non uh, unbounded unlimited infinite and so this awareness is everywhere and what's happening in the mind and emotions and feeling this is all happening within this field of awareness so our awareness is everything and our awareness is the still point the bindu the the, the this uh, uh viewpoint that is within paradoxical inside and everything at the same time so this can be useful to contemplate so so this is, these are these uh, vehicles that we operate through according to this philosophy. And, and it's said also that uh, in our operation, in our interaction in the world, that this uh, set of Petrushka dolls, this set of being, has purposes. There are four main purposes or main uh, functional levels in our operation in the world. And these are basically um, in Sanskrit dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. And so the definition of dharma is righteousness, right action, moving in harmony with life, uh, um, 
being being and expressing as what we are in this harmonious relationship working together with the laws of expression and manifestation excuse me so this is dharma and then artha artha is basically um taking care of our needs this our needs for security for um shelter for food for uh interaction for doing our work for fulfillment through the the energy that we expand the activities that we take uh briefly and then um kama which is uh the fulfillment of desire pleasure enjoyment so this is kama and then moksha liberation this full awareness liberation of consciousness freedom and typically you know it's very traditional to sort of look at this as like a pyramid so we have at the base of the pyramid is our dharma is being what we're designed to be and acting in harmony with that and in harmony with the environment so that we have the dharma and then built upon that is artha is our actions the things that we do to take care of this body and this material reality to feel fulfilled to make a useful contribution so this is the artha built upon the dharma and then as we practice artha and we accumulate things and we take care of our security and our creature comforts then we begin to uh, have the ability to experience some pleasure some joy to fulfill our desires and so this is kama and then having all of these needs met in this pyramid we finally come to the place where uh, we are interested and we begin to pursue moksha liberation so this is this is a, a traditional way of thinking of this um, but there are other ways of thinking about this too and and the one that i prefer is to see that these three artha kama and moksha these three are blended together from the very beginning that we don't go through steps and stages but rather from the very beginning we have uh, something that we do even when we're very small i remember being eight nine ten years old and there were things that i liked to do that were fulfilling i was very much uh, very much an artist when i was young and and so i love to make things to build things to create things and i love to paint and i love to draw and so and i remember this was this was important to me and it wasn't important to me because because of um, anything special that happened as a result i did use my artwork to make you know pictures for people and to draw you know and felt pens on t-shirts and sweatshirts and you know i would do this just because it came out of me this was part of this artha this this operating this action the things that we do that create fulfillment make us feel good and 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 make us satisfied so and as we grow up we become more um sort of tune in more and more to what it is that our predispositions are what we like to do what is fulfilling and what we can do to contribute to serve to create to, to provide a useful service and in providing a useful service we find that we are uh, once again uh, moving more in harmony that we are fulfilling our purposes and so this is useful so 
So this is all part of Artha. And then as we grow up and mature, then we go into business or we have a profession and we are able to provide for our family and see to security and our creature comforts and food. And this is all part of Artha. And we accumulate the things that we need to live comfortably. So this is all part of this, this, uh, this basic um, operating system, Artha. And then we have Kama, pleasure. And this is to, uh, you know, fulfill desires. We have longings, we have desires. And this is part of the system, part of our operating system. And so from the time that we're very, very young, we remember, I remember having desires, things that, would, that I thought would really enhance my life and would bring me pleasure, you know. And, and, so, um, and so as we go through life, we have these, ideas, these longings, these desires, and if they're not, you know, distorted or aberrant, um, then, they, then it's useful. And if we don't fulfill our desires, then we have problems, you know. Uh, desires that are not fulfilled, this is healthy desires, uh, they create frustration. And frustration then leads to, you know, upset inside, and upset leads to anger, and Anger leads to, you know, distortion of the mental field and craziness. So, so we need to look at our, uh, our healthy desires, our, our uh, inclinations to feel good and to have pleasure and to honor that's okay, you know, and to, to be able to move in harmony with that. And then moksha, liberation. Liberation doesn't come at the end of life. I can remember being eight, nine, ten years old, and I, want, I didn't want people telling me what to do. I didn't want to be pushed around. I wanted to be, you know, in charge of my own life and my own reality, and I would conspire in every way possible to be my own person and to do my thing, you know, and we all do. And, of course, as we become, as we grow up and as we get a little older, moving into our teenage years, then we really start to get this sense of, individuality the ego starts to really come into play and then we really want to reject all the rules and all the the parents and what everybody's telling us and we want to really go out and do our own thing and this is why teenagers get in, get in a lot of trouble because at the same time the brain hasn't finished wiring itself so there's no impulse control the front part of the brain that is responsible for setting goals and focused attention is also wired up as projections to all the other parts of the brain that are able to inhibit non-useful behaviors and impulses. And that part of the brain is the last part to come online, which happens when we're in our early to mid twenties, 24, 25 years old. So, so this is why young people have this impulse to be free, to be unconstrained, and to, to have this uh, inner sense of moksha, liberation that's operating within, and, the, and, the, and no ability to, um, to resist and to um, avoid these impulses, and so they get in trouble, you know. But these things happen, and as we get older, as we're moving through life, we become mature, and we are established with Artha. We're you know, accomplishing our purposes and taking care of our family and ourselves. And we are experiencing Kama. We have pleasurable activities that we engage in without compulsion. 
without attachment or addiction. Um, and we feel, we always have this feeling of wanting to be free, wanting to be liberated. And this turns into a much more of a, much more of a spiritual conversation as we have experience in life, as we find that some of the things that we do that we thought would make us free, that we thought would liberate us, that we thought would bring us pleasure, some of these things uh, turned out to not be true and to be empty promises and to be blind alleys that we would go down. And so with experience and time, we find that the things in the world and the uh, sense fulfillment and, you know, the pleasure of the senses and these things, they're kind of empty because they change. They, none of them persist. There is always, uh, you know, the experience comes and then it goes away. And then we are looking for, you know, a replay. We want to redo. And, um, and so, so in time we find that the external world does not provide us with this sense of liberation and fulfillment. And so we begin to turn our attention more within. So this is where our spiritual conversation, our spiritual quest begins for many people. So what about Dharma? Dharma runs through all of these. Dharma is is the thread that holds all of this together and allows this to be optimized, to be efficient, allows it to be, to, allows our life to be the best that it can be, because dharma is moving in harmony with our essential nature, moving in harmony with our predilections, the things that we like to do, and avoiding staying away from the things that are not particularly fulfilling, particularly fulfilling or, or are useful or uh, or pleasurable, so we so our dharma leads us on a path that says this is where you should be. This is what you should be doing. This is how you can be prosper and thrive and be fulfilled. Is moving in harmony with dharma. So so there are seven and a half billion approximately individuals on the planet and. Each one of them is individual, unique, different. Um, No two look alike. No two have the same fingerprints, as far as we can tell. No two have the same irises. No two have the same pattern in their ears. Each individual is an expression, has grown out of this seed, this seed, this essence of being, and expressed and manifest in its own beautiful way. Each one of us has our own predispositions, our own predilections, our own um, preferences. And so, and so those lead us, this dharma leads us to operating in life in a way that can be in harmony with the way we're made. And in the process of doing this, we are interacting and relating with the world around us. So we are here to wake up fully to experience moksha, to be fully liberated, which is this impulse that is with us from the beginning all the time. And we are here to participate and have life. And our participation is in the form of service. So we make a contribution. As we make a contribution, as we give, as we share, we find that we are fulfilled. We find that the that the comma, the pleasure, automatically comes as a result of our of our interaction and participation in in, har- in harmony with this dharma. 
And so we move in harmony. We, we use um, Dharma as sort of the guidelines, as sort of the envelope within which all these vehicles, within which all these um, objectives in life are operating. So this is Dharma. So Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. So these are the are operating modes in life, and they are all harmonized and come together through the vehicles, the koshas that we're operating through. And, and we can refine and support our dharma, which is that which is supporting efficient, effective artha. So we are, if we are moving in harmony with the way we're made and with our objectives, um, uh, and our uh, preferences and predilections, if we're moving in harmony with this, then, then this is dharmic and, this is, then, and our artha is efficient and effective. If we're going cross purposes, if we're not doing what we're really designed to do, if we're not doing what we really enjoy doing, if we have that job that we really hate every day, but we feel like we have to go to this job to make money, you know, this is in, so there's a disconnect, there's a disharmony there. So this is not dharmic. This is not uh, practicing our artha in a dharmic manner. In the same way with pleasure, you know, with the kama. So if our pleasure is distorted, if we are addicted and constantly attached to things and trying to manipulate the world in order to feel better and attached to the senses. And so this is, this is a dharmic. This is not in harmony with this balanced, expressive uh, way of being. So dharma runs through our kama, our enjoyment and our pleasure. It's okay to fulfill our desires. It's okay to feel good. And, but we need to keep that in balance and not become over con, uh, uh, <clears throat> addicted and, and over-attached. And the same thing with our moksha. See, we can, we, there are individuals who become so focused on this liberation that they disregard the body, they let the body go, they don't see the proper nutrition, um, they don't take care of their emotional nature. So, so these unfulfilled desires, they come up, these impulses come up, and they repress them, they hold them down. And this creates anger and, and disharmony inside. And so we can be so focused, we can be a dharmic with respect to moksha, to liberation, that we create imbalances and disharmony. See, so, so, so we want to become dharmic. We want to allow this dharma to, to be the, the chariot that carries us forward. And the way we can support being dharmic, the way we, uh, you know, control, uh, not control, the way we uh, create a supportive network. Um, to allow Dharma to be our way of being, our primary operating system, is through the Yamas and the Niyamas. So at the end of the second chapter, Patanjali says, you know, here are some guidelines for how to set the stage for how to create the environment so that your life will be Dharmic, so that you won't have these upsets and these imbalances and these inner uh, and disturb and, and uh, interfere with your inner tranquility. And so, so we can go back and review those. And I'll just very briefly go through this because we've all uh, pretty much heard this before. But we have harmlessness. So we have no intention to harm anything, anyone, the environment, and ourselves. 
So, and when we're established in harmlessness, really established, and we have no intention to harm anything, um, we're actually in the opposite way. We're looking for how we can create harmony and balance at all times. And Patanjali says, when we're established in harmlessness, then we are also established beyond harm. That when we intend no harm for anything, then nothing can harm us. So this is kind of a, uh, one of these magical uh, yogic benefits um, that comes along as a result of establishment here. And then the next one is truthfulness. And this means that we don't lie. This also means that we are true to ourself with the capital S. We are true to our nature. We are dharmic. That is, we are living from, the, from our essence of being and being what we are, being true to ourself. So this is truthfulness. It comes all the way down to the level of being. How do we express ourselves? Are we authentic? Do we have integrity? This is truthfulness. Then non-stealing. So, um, you know, not only do we not put on the mask, of course, everybody wears a mask now, we're all robbers. <laughs> um, so uh, we don't put the mask on and go hold a, you know, hold a gun to the teller at the bank and steal money. Um, it's more than that. It's we don't take anything from anyone else that we have not earned by right of consciousness. So we don't want to steal someone's uh, reputation by saying something negative about them. This is stealing, see? We don't want to take, uh, take anything. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't feel bad at all about taking images off of the internet and using them for their own purposes. Well, it's on there, so why not? So I, you know, I take somebody's artwork, somebody that they, somebody has put their time and energy and life and consciousness into, and then I use it for my purposes. No credit and no energy exchange. This is stealing. So, uh, or, you know, we download somebody's uh, movie, um, take a movie or, or some piece of artwork or something. These are all ways of stealing. Or we take somebody else's ideas and we claim them for ourselves. So, so this, you know, can become very subtle, but we want to honor and be authentic and wherever possible to acknowledge individuals, their contribution, their creation, and to keep the energy exchange balanced. So non-stealing. Conservation of energy, uh, brahmacharya. And this is uh, <clears throat> this in some schools, in some terms, is said to be uh, you know sexual continence, to not be to not be wasting our life force and energy through too much sex. But it really means our energy, our life force. We want to conserve our energy. We want to be responsible guardians of this prana, this life force, this energy that operates through us keeps this body moving and also through us in the environment. And so, so everything can be seen as energy. Everything can be seen as um, exchanges of energy. All the things that we are doing, the service that we provide, this all has an energy exchange. Some of us get paid in money and money is, is simply a way of, uh, you know, storing energy and moving energy around in a, in a condensed form. Um, 
So we want to be responsible for our energy, that is the energy of our space, our environment, the energy of our money and finances, the energy of our body. And we want it to, to conserve, and that is not to just hoard and store up, but rather to be responsible guardians, to be to uh, be custodians of the energy that we've been blessed with and see that it's used for useful purposes, that we keep it flowing and moving in the economy and our lives and circulating. So energy is not made to be held in the battery. It's made to circulate and flow. And so, so this conservation of energy means really to be wise custodians, wise guardians, wise use, use, uh, users of the energy that we have. And then the final one is non-clinging, non-attachment, not no greed. So we don't get hooked on to things, uh, the stuff, the the experiences, the place that we live, the relationships. Non-attachment means that we are moving gently through the world, that we we engage fully, but we don't get stuck. We don't get controlled by the circumstances, the events, the relationships, the places. Um, so we are able to move sort of lightly and gently. We dance through the world joyfully um, and have a wonderful time and we don't allow ourselves to get stuck. So non-attachment. And then the observances, purity, cleanliness, that is, that we want to be pure, keep our body clean, we want to keep our environment clean, we want to keep our mind clean, we want to keep our discerning, discernment and discrimination. So every aspect of our body, all these koshas, we want to keep these purified. So on the material level, we take good care of the body, we see to good, clean, wholesome, nourishing food. Uh, fresh air, clean water, exercise, and sleep. All this helps to keep this body energized and clean and pure. The pranamaya kosha, we keep this clean and pure by uh, observing our breath, pranayama, and using the energy that we have, this life force, wisely, consciously. Uh, and then the manamaya kosha, feeding the mind through the senses, feeding the mind with useful, sattvic, elevating, uplifting experiences and sensations. And so we create a, an environment, an internal environment of purity and wholeness. Um, the Gyanamaya Kosha, to, to, to learn and practice discerning, seeing a difference between what's true and what's not true, what's real and what's not real, avoiding the the temptation to be critical and judgmental, and this can all happen in this in this Vigyanamaya Kosha. So here we have the ability to, to practice discerning, practice allowing intuition to come up and see clearly what is and allow our wisdom to be dominant. And then the Anandamaya Kosha um, to, to rest in this bliss and this uh, and this joyful awareness of beingness, and this is naturally purifying by itself. And then the next one is contentment, to be deeply content. That is, everything is okay right now. I am having this adventure of a lifetime, and yes, there may be, you know, it's an evolutionary process, it's constantly changing, and my preference is to change it always in the direction of what is sattvic, what is uh, bright and pure and whole and useful. Um, 
but at the same time that I'm engaged in this process of being alive, of change, I am always, always inner content. So I always have this sense inside that it's all right. It's okay. So there's not a compulsion. There's not a strong uh, push from inside to have to make things happen. Rather, I, I am cooperating with the universe, and I know that this expressive aspect of the universe has an evolutionary process, and this evolutionary process, which is constantly evolving, changing, uh, is always working for the good of itself as everyone. And so, so I have faith and trust in the universe to be taking care of itself. And even though I may not see how things are going to work out and understand from the middle of the change how it, what, the, what the result will be, I have trust and faith that it's always moving in the direction of uh, fulfillment and harmony and the best for everyone. So this, this is contentment. So I can develop this attitude of contentment, grounded oh, all rightness, all the time. And then, uh, and then the final three steps are discipline, self-discipline. We've talked about that. This is one of the, the main legs of our Kriya Yoga practice. So self-discipline, don't touch your face. Self-discipline. Um, study, study of the nature of the self and the nature of consciousness and the nature of God uh, and letting go of the ego, the sense of being separate, the sense of feeling that I'm outside separate, but rather developing this uh, sensation, this feeling of wholeness, oneness, complete, um, and, and not being separate. So this is, this is the last of the observances. So these restraints and observances allow us to adjust our way of being, our mind, our emotional, and our physical being to come into harmony with dharma, that is to support our dharmic actions in order to accomplish our purposes of artha, kama, moksha, and in order to live the ideal perfect life. And remember, we are already whole, perfect. There's nothing that needs to be added to us. It's like uh, if we take a candle and use that to light another candle, the original candle doesn't lose anything from its light. When the universe manifests as us, it is manifesting as a whole being. It takes nothing from the universe. It takes nothing from wholeness. Wholeness produces wholeness, produces wholeness. And so at every level, there is this complete uh, fulfilled essence of being that is already perfect. And so we can, we can come into this realization, this awareness for ourself, and then we can live from this state of consciousness. And we are constantly watching and observing and like tending a garden, we are watering it, pulling the weeds out and seeing that it flourishes and prospers and produces beautiful amazing blossoms and fruit. Uh, any questions before we conclude for today? No? Good. Well, then uh, we will continue uh, in the first two weeks of May. If you want to come back and join us again or tell your friends. And between now and then and for the rest of your 
existence. Be joyful and be awake. Namaste.